This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I'm your host Audrey Tan and I cover science and environment for The Straits Times. My co-host is David Fogarty. Hi, I'm David and I'm the climate change editor at The Straits Times. It is February 26 and just about a week ago there were a couple of new developments made on Singapore's transport front. There was also a greater push for electric vehicles in Singapore and on top of that petrol duties were also raised between 18 and 23%, the first hike in 6 years. To help us understand the significance of these announcements, we have with us today the Straits Times senior transport correspondent Christopher Tan. Welcome Chris. Hi, good to be on the show. Chris, so can you start off by giving us an update on the electric vehicle front? Singapore has dabbled in the EV sector for some years now. So what's changed recently? Okay, yes, you're right. We have been pushing for people to buy cleaner cars for close to 20 years now. And we have had a set of different carrots and sticks approach from the time when we had the green vehicle rebate, which was uh, one that gave out 40% cut in ARF, which is the main car tax. to any form of vehicle that uses an alternative energy source besides petrol and diesel and then of course it evolved and the last one we had was the VES vehicle emissions scheme and this one we are giving out up to $45,000 off on the main tax so that people can buy electric cars which are inherently more costly than conventional cars now the main difference this time is not just the incentive that they were doling out we are actually setting targets so the government has said that by 2030 no more cars running purely on internal combustion engines will be allowed that means any new car that has to be registered from 2030 january 1st will have to be some form of hybrid electric or some form of a cleaner energy drivetrain i think the government doesn't want to paint itself into a corner by spelling out what kind of cars are allowed so it uses kind of a big umbrella term like cleaner energy because in 10 years time a lot of things can change you know technology is moving at a much faster rate than it was or has been in the last 20 years we are seeing changes a lot more rapidly bigger changes and who knows in 10 years time you know hydrogen fuel cell might become more mainstream we don't know And the reason why we have been quite cautious in the way we approach electric vehicles per se is that in the first place there hasn't been a lot of choices. There were only a couple of makers and only a couple of models until about 10 years ago when Tesla came onto the scene and kind of forced the rest to level up. A lot of manufacturers now find that they have had to catch up because of higher emission standards everywhere in the world. You find that they are not able to sell the cars in more and more countries if they stuck to their old format of sticking with ICE engines internal combustion engines now in singapore we are setting targets the 2030 target and by 2040 we hope to change the whole population to cleaner energy vehicles but that is a very bold ambition a very ambitious goal can we get there it depends on a lot of things so one of which is infrastructure you see a lot of discussion on charging infrastructure charging points are we having enough are we having too much so that is the thing that we have to go through and decide strike a balance right now the target is to have 60000 charging points by 2030 and maybe 
the target will be revised in the next few years. We don't know. The main difference, like I said, is that we are setting targets now. We have seen this push coming alongside the petrol duty increase. So now if you could switch gears to talk a bit more about this, what exactly is petrol duty and did we always have it? Yeah, we've had it for several decades now. I think the main goal of petrol duty is to let people be more aware of the externalities that driving exerts on the environment. So the more you drive, the more you pay. And the bigger engine that you go for, the more you pay again. So that premise has not changed. And as we move towards electric vehicles, which do not use petrol and therefore would not be paying petrol duty or diesel duty, I think the truth of the matter is that the government will have to make up for the revenue loss. One way to do it would be to find some kind of formula in the electric vehicle road tax or electric vehicle tax to claw back the lost revenue in lost petrol duty, lost diesel duty. But that is not an enlightened way. The more enlightened way would be actually to place a higher duty on the fossil fuels so that in the first place, people are kind of discouraged from carrying on using IC engines, internal combustion engines. And secondly, to make them, again, more aware of the pollution that they are contributing to. I think this is a push and pull factor that the government has put in place. I think it will work and it will work in the sense that it not only will see us hopefully be more aware of what we contribute to air pollution, but also from a revenue standpoint, realistically speaking, we have some kind of sustainability going on. So Chris, there's been some criticism going on about how the petrol duty hike could affect livelihoods across the spectrum from perhaps higher taxi fares to higher food deliveries. You know, I think some of the food delivery people are quite upset because you know, their margins are pretty small and, and higher fuel prices could affect their earnings. So what's your take on this sort of debate? Yes, I think, first of all, from an environmental point of view, we have to be quite clear of what we want to achieve. Higher duty does actually discourage rampant usage. It does force some people to think about how much they drive, how much they ride. So from that perspective, higher duty is the way to go if you want to nudge people away from fossil fuels. For cost of business, we have to recognize that the bulk of our businesses run on diesel. And diesel is actually underpriced, if you ask me. Diesel duty is much, much lower than petrol duty. And as a result, pump price of diesel is a lot lower than petrol. And because most commerce is done by diesel vehicles, I think the impact on business as a whole is going to be quite minimal. So I think there will always be opportunists who will come out and say, because fuel duty has gone up, therefore I have to charge you more for your coffee or charge you more for your hamburger. But I think we have to examine it quite objectively and say, most of our vans, our taxis are still running on diesel. Then until the day that when they switch over to petrol, then we can say, you know, yeah, the full impact of a duty hike will be translated more meaningfully to their running cost. But having said that, there is always a choice for them to pick something else, like an EV or hybrid. So what about the environmental benefits? And then also, I guess there's also the question, why just petrol? Why not also diesel? Because diesel is more polluting, I guess, as well. Why don't they tax that? So I think the government also has to weigh its cost and benefit. You know, Singapore has always been quite pro-business, and it's a conscious effort on their part to keep diesel prices low so that industry and commerce are not affected as much as 
you know, ordinary motorists. Because ordinary motorists have more leeway in the way they choose to drive. Whereas the businesses, they have to make X number of deliveries a day. They have to make an X number of commutes a day to make back a certain amount of earnings that they set out to, to make. Now, you manage a regular section in the paper on motoring. You test all sorts of vehicles. Do you see yourself uh, eventually switching to an EV? Yes, actually, my current car is a Toyota Wish. It's 15 years old. I extended my COE. And it's got five more years left. I think in five years' time, the EV choices will be significantly larger than now. I mean, there's quite a decent spectrum now. But I think in five years' time, there'll be even more, especially in the mass market segment. And I think there's a very good chance that I might switch. Yeah, electric vehicles are fun too because you get instant torque, you get really brilliant acceleration, and you don't get the sound and vibration that comes with it. I think the motoring section will carry on with electric vehicles. Thank you, Chris, for coming on our show today and explaining all about the latest developments in the transport scene for us. Oh, my pleasure. Great. Thanks very much, Chris. It's great. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. The push to clean up the transport sector in Singapore is a timely one, especially with the Green Plan and other initiatives to help Singapore reach net zero emissions as soon as viable. Associate Professor Lynette Chia directs the Sustainable Urban Mobility Research Group at the Singapore University of Technology and Design. She is also a review editor for the next assessment report by the United Nations Climate Science Panel, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. She joins us today to lend her perspective on how the decarbonisation of Singapore's transport sector fits into this long-term target. Hi, Lynette, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I teach and do research in the Singapore University of Technology and Design. My research tries to look at sustainable urban mobility with goal of reducing the environmental impacts of road transport. Lately, I've been a member of the Public Transport Council and also involved with the review process for the UN report, like you just mentioned. Maybe we can start by a better understanding of Singapore's transport sector. Our transport sector contributes about 14% to Singapore's total greenhouse gas emissions. Is this a significant contributor in the grand scheme of things? Yes, I would think so. I think emissions from road transport contributes to the global warming and also affects the air quality around us. From a global perspective, transport, which includes air, marine, land transport, contributes about one quarter of total greenhouse gas emissions. Of this, three quarters is from road transport, meaning cars, buses, and trucks. So for Singapore's case, about half of our road transport emissions comes from trucks. So it's really important not to overlook this impact of road freight or the movement of goods that that we all use. So trucks, which run on diesel, make up a small fraction of the road vehicle population, so around 20%. I mean, one in five vehicles in Singapore are commercial trucks. But they're responsible for more emissions because they travel longer distances and emit more per kilometre. What are your thoughts on the latest push for electric vehicles in Singapore, as well as the what's turning out to be the controversial petrol duty hike? Could both of these make significant emissions reductions in this sector? Right. So vehicle electrification is an obvious path for cleaner passenger cars. So EVs are more energy efficient than conventional vehicles. Our electricity grid runs mostly on natural gas, so it's quite clean. So this change had a long time coming because EVs and uh, hybrid technologies have been around for, for some time. So there might be some transition pains, some getting used to driving an EV as compared to a conventional car. But this push for EVs is consistent with uh, sustainable road transport. So it will mean cleaner air, quieter roads for all of us in the long run. 
So as mentioned earlier, I think we should also try to electrify our light goods vehicles, like diesel vans and bus fleets as well. So I find that these are also primed for electrification. Compared to the gradual transition towards EVs, I think the petrol duties or fuel taxes are actually a more direct form of uh, managing emissions and, and more effective also in curbing emissions. It is an example of a pay-per-use approach to managing travel demand. Uh, mileage-based policies have been shown to be very effective in curbing vehicle use. So it's a very clear signal, right, to consider driving less, make the move towards cleaner vehicles. But we have to be very progressive about it just, just to make sure that lower-income households are not affected too much. About the petrol duty hike, I think something that it is quite sudden in Singapore, the petrol duties have not changed in, in six years. So maybe it came as a surprise. But consider the benefit. So as a society, we and future generations will all benefit from uh, reduced reliance on fossil fuels and, and lower emissions. So in other words, the fuel duty is just a carbon tax in another name. In a way, it's really a taxing the way we use fossil fuels and, and, the, and the emissions that, that result from burning these fossil fuels, yes. But, you know, you mentioned earlier that one mode of transport of concern for Singapore is trucks, you know, that use diesel. So will, you know, the EV push or these petrol duty hike actually target this specific group of vehicles? Not yet. The petrol duty hike, no, not necessary, because most of our light goods vehicles and, and trucks are diesel. They, they run on diesel, so the hike wouldn't affect them so much yet. But there are means to electrify them also. So there are electric trucks that's possible. Electric buses also possible. But just in terms of driving behavioural change, which of course is necessary for climate change, trying to get us all off more polluting sort of product services and so forth into, a, into sort of a cleaner world. So do you think a combination of the push of EV, higher petrol costs is really the most potent way to drive that societal change? I mean, or is there, are there other ways we can do that? And for example, are there other examples of, from other countries that have tried to decarbonize their transport fleets? Yeah, yeah. For passenger cars, electrification is one clear path forward, right? We, it can really help us to achieve uh, reduced carbon emissions. But behavioral side, you're, you're right, David, that there are many different things we can think about also. We can think about more choices, you know, consider public transport and so on. So for different countries, every context is different. So every country is customizing their approach accordingly. So Brazil uses biofuels, Denmark is a nation of cyclists, and then Norway calls themselves the EV capital of the world. So for Singapore, as a very dense city, I think we're doing the right things to invest in good public transport. We also plan our towns thoughtfully to create access to jobs and schools and amenities that people want and need. So there's no need to travel across the city. So we can manage travel demand in this manner. So I think we can continue to do more also to support cycling. I'm really looking forward to the expanded cycling path network, which will make it feasible for more people, young and old, to cycle to work, cycle to school, or just around their, their neighborhoods. Is it likely that the cost of the petrol hike would trickle down to people who don't drive? Mm, it might in an indirect manner, in a form of maybe, you know, it might affect the cost of public transport or it might affect the cost of food that people purchase if the transport cost trickles down to them. But I think less in a less direct way, I think those that drive more would be the ones that would be penalized or those that own vehicles that are like the gas guzzlers, right? The, and those may feel the pinch a little bit more, yeah. Do you think this will really drive sales of electric vehicles going forward? I mean, or do you think petrol prices will have to keep rising progressively? So perhaps more petrol fuel price hikes in, in a sort of a staged way will further drive that price signal towards cleaner transport and more use of public transport and cycling as well. 
Mm-hmm. The signals that come in different forms, right? I think the fuel prices is definitely one part of the picture. Overall, uh, incentives to purchase green vehicles, you know, if they're there, can can also really help. Uh, like in the case of, of Norway, they really incentivize the purchase of EVs, and that's why the sales of EVs there are more than half of the current market right now, which is really impressive. So yeah, I think it's a combination of it all, and I think the hike now probably just reminds people like it's a signal now that you just start thinking about it, right? And maybe if not yet an EV, then at least a hybrid vehicle or a smaller vehicle that would consume less fuel. So Lynette, you know, with all these new initiatives, what do you think they would mean for individuals? Will it mean more expensive taxi rides or do you think people would have to pay more for their Grab cars? Mm. I think as an individual, I think many can relate to the need to decarbonize transport, but we are also all very concerned about cost as well. I think the best thing to do is try to avoid car use where possible. So this means one, telecommuting when you can, which is the most preferred, or two, walk or cycle or take public transport where possible. So the carbon footprint of taking the bus or the MRT is an order of magnitude less than taking a car or a taxi. And it's healthier too. So for motorists where feasible, you can try a car-free day once. You'll skip the right hail. So you'll save some money, you might lose some weight. And um, finally, for those who absolutely have to use a car, share the ride or choose a small car, not the SUV. So I think all these will help to reduce emissions. Thank you, Lynette, for joining us today. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap for Green Pulse and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. For more on climate change and the environment, do check out our stories in The Straits Times. And don't forget to subscribe to our Green Pulse podcast series on your favourite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.